Pulse Audio Podcast Network. Hello, Herstory heroes, and welcome to a very, very special quarantine episode of Whining About Herstory, the podcast where two longtime gal pals chat about women from history you probably haven't heard of and have some wine while doing it. I'm Kelly. I'm a neon cat. (laughs) (laughs) We're chatting over uh, Facebook. We're using the video chat, and I found the filters. (laughs) She's having way too much fun with it. I'm Emily BT Dubs. Um, in today's episode, we're we're doing something a little different because Mother's Day is upon us uh, yet again. I actually feel like we just did last year's Mother Day episode like recently. Go check that out. We cover my mom and the mother of Mother's Day and Emily's mom a little bit. It's great. It's a great episode. Yeah. My, uh, I tell the story of when my mom weaponized her beer against a misogynistic asshole. Yeah, it was so great. That was great. I think it was episode nine. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So go check Eight it or out. Nine. We'll wait for you. Yeah. Okay. We're welcome back. back. I hope you enjoyed. <laughs> um, and so this year, we're doing something a little different. We reached out to people in our community, like podcasting community, friends, family. You guys. You guys. You lovely people. And we've got some stories about not necessarily even moms, but like women that inspire you to be your best self, basically. Because as you know, because you just listened to our last year's Mother's Day episode and the story of Anna Jarvis, it's all about the feeling of motherhood and how everyone's a mom in their own way, even if they don't have kids. And we all got to step up and take care of each other. Right. Takes a village. Woo! Village of mams. Village of mams. Or mums, you know, <laughs> depending. For our British, inc- Britishly inclined friends. Mums. Mums. Um, so before we get started, uh, today we are having uh, some deja vu with our wine. We are drinking uh, the Marchese Sauvignon Blanc again because I may be a strong independent woman, but I apparently still need a man to help me uncork my wine bottle. I just need to get you an electric one. You do because I literally, the corkscrew is in the cork (laughs) sitting on the counter as we speak. Like I tried to pull, I'm like, I'm going to punch myself or stab myself accidentally. Like this is not going to go well. And Jared's not home, so I can't ask him. The last time Jared opened a bottle, he broke your corkscrew. So I don't know if that's safe either. (laughs) Well, I'm not the one getting stabbed though, either way. That's true. You're safe and that's, that's what matters. I was going to uh, have us drinking some Chardonnay because that's my mom's favorite wine, but uh, we're we're thinking of Chardonnay, but we're drinking Sauvignon Blanc. It's still go. a white. It's fine. It's fine. It's close enough. It's fine. All right. So I think we can cheers to ma'ams. To ma'ams. Cheers to the ma'ams. Ooh, mine actually sounded pretty good. Yours sounded good. Mine sounds pathetic. Every time I have to clink it against my ring, it just does not. Wait, wait. I want to try something. I'm going to clink. I'm going to cheers with the bottle. That was better. That was good. That was better. We, we, just need to each, we need to each have two glasses when we do this. <laughs> so we can... Well, and now I, I'm drinking out of my whining about herstory glass, and now I actually have two glasses that I can use for it. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm drinking out of a glass my family gave me. For our last name. High five. Yeah. I think Rosie gave us all these. 
Oh, I like that because your uh, your maiden name is Five Cents. Five Cents. It's not actually Five Cents. Literally, it's, it's, it's nickel. F-I-V-E. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's not even F-I-E-V. It's the letter or the number five and the cent symbol. <laughs> Don't know how my parents yes. got away with it. It was a different time. No one gave a shit back in the 90s. <laughs> right? They're just like, <laughs> yeah, sure, that can be the kids. last name. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Well, Kelly, I think you're starring us off with our first story. I am. I mean, it's, it's a shorty, but a goodie. Right? We so, love those. Yeah, right? It's like me, short but good. <laughs> there you go. So this comes from my dear friend Cassie, and it is about her grandmother and how she looks up to her grandmother whose name... All right. So her grandmother's name is Ilza, I-L-S-E, which is a beautiful name. And I'm so happy that she provided me with the pronunciation when she told me her name. Because otherwise I I probably would have butchered it. said that very confidently. So it's Ilza? Ilza. Ilza, like a Z. Yep. That's that's snazzy. Right. Um, And so... That's a name. Yes, Cassie said that she she looks up to her grandma, who is strong, independent, very tidy, and nitpicky, but also stubborn. She was a German wo- woman who lived through the Great Depression, World War II, immigrating to Canada, and then to the U.S., and living to be 93 years old. Holy shit. She lived the last 15 years of life without her husband, so she was, you know, strong and independent and old and killing it. Cassie said that she, you know, she'd obviously seen and been through a lot and that she thinks about her when times are times are tough and she thinks about how it's nothing compared to what her grandma had been through. Cassie misses her every day and cherishes everything that she learned from her and know that um, she knows that a lot of her own personality comes from her grandmother. Oh, that's so, so that's sweet. really sweet. I I did what did you say? Strong, independent, and old. Strong, or? independent, and old because she lived to be ninety three, but the last fifteen years was without her husband. So right. she was just I, on I her love own. That, Strong, independent, and old. I want to get a jean jacket that says that on the back. It can Strong, be independent, and old. It can be a patch <laughs> on our already in progress jean jacket. I, w- I actually, so I have a jean jacket that I have some pins on, like our uh, 100 years of suffrage yeah. that you so kindly gave us for Christmas. Uh, shout out Bonnie Fillenworth. Check her stuff out, yeah. Um, But I want to get another jean jacket just to turn into my fighting girlfriend girl yeah, gang jacket. I, I, like- <laughs> I want to do that too, because the other day you mentioned like denim day, and I'm like, I don't own anything denim besides pants. So I'm like, I need to get on this whole jean jacket thing. And yeah, turn it into our herstory jean jacket. I So I found my jean jacket at a secondhand shop. And I was, it took me way longer than it should. Like jean jackets are popular again. Uh, so it shouldn't have taken that long. But all the jean jackets I was finding where it was like, normal from the shoulder halfway down and then from like mid-waist down it was just shredded like no this is not a look this is garbage (laughs) this is not a thing literally destroyed half of a piece of clothing and you're like 20 bucks see i thought you were gonna say it was one of those that ends like right after your boobs it was like a crop i thought you were gonna say it was a crop top jean jacket because i've seen those no no, it was one of those jean jackets where, like, Mean Girls, it just has the boobs cut out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goddamn. 
Um, so our next submission is actually a recording, and this is from Jerry from the Presidencies of the United States podcast. He has an am- this is an amazing podcast. It's it, very it well is. produced. It's so educational, and like I feel like all of us are kind of trying to wake up to how the presidency works, the history of the presidencies of the United States, because it seems like the way we envision it is also not the reality of how it is and has been. And this is like what you need in your life. Well, and what I love about it is normally, I'll say normally, it he's just like going through the different presidents, but currently he's doing a series on like, specifically on elections and how elections work and the hi- the history of elections because it's an election year and it's I've learned so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like equal parts educational and then like a dash of horrifying because you're like, "Wait, what, really?" <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. It's awesome. So, um I am going to play his clip here. This is Jerry with the Presidencies of the United States. I've been blessed to know many amazing women in my life, and so many women have had such a profound impact on my life and continue to do so, but I can't help but take a moment to talk about my mom. My mom was and remains one of my greatest heroes. She and my grandma owned a bar for the first 12 years of my life uh, down in Louisiana. It was called the Alligator Hilton. It was on Alligator Bayou. I never knew my dad, and so my mom, in addition to being a small business owner, also had to be a single parent, and despite the challenges that she faced in that, I didn't feel like there was anything missing. In fact, I felt like my life was so rich thanks to her. Not only was she my mom, but she was my best friend. We laughed together. We made jokes together. During the holidays, she always loved to go down the aisle with all the Christmas things that you hit the button and they light up or move or whatever, and we'd end up having about half of them on the aisle going. She was so fun-loving and taught me how to love others. I grew up excited about learning. I learned how to read when I was two and haven't stopped since. She encouraged me in that. She encouraged my love of history She'd take me on day trips to historic sites. She'd buy me books. She'd go to museums. Who I was able to become in life is thanks to her and her example, her bravery, her courage, but most especially her love. I consider it my mission every day to try and give back to the world some of the love that she gave me. So to all the amazing women out there, thank you so much for just being who you are. Take care and happy Mother's Day. Jerry, your mom sounds amazing. Can I just say, first of all, I want there to be a show about his childhood because his mother, his single mother and his grandmother owning a bar in Louisiana called the Alligator Hilton while like trying to raise a son. It sounds like a good show. Yeah. It sounds amazing, but like. Also, that little tradition of setting off all the Christmas animatronics and stuff in the aisle. Right. I know. I'm like, an, that's so that's, cute. That's so cute. Yeah. And then the fact that she encouraged, you know, the love of learning and the love of history, you know, taking him places and buying him books. And oh, your mom sounds like a real gem. Well, and seriously, shout out to single moms because that shit is hard. Like I like I I can't imagine I can't imagine having kids 
with a partner, let alone on my own. Right. Like, it's absolutely incredible. And also, can I just say, Jerry is so eloquent. I know. Like, you you know he has a podcast because he just he just speaks and he, he tells a story and it's like engaging. I like it ended. I was like, no, no, right, Jerry, no, tell, tell me back. more. <laughs> uh, Jerry, thank you so much for sending that. You're a gem. Your mom's a gem. Your grandma also sounds like a badass. Right. Thank you. And so thank much. you. I welled up I know, a little. I know. I'm like I'm getting, a little bit of teary eyed over here. I'm getting tears in my neon whiskers. But that's super sweet. All right, I think I'm reading the next yes, story. Yes, ma'am. Okay, so this is from Sarah L. Hi, Sarah. We love you. And this one's really cool because this is kind of a, a hometown hero for Kelly and I. Um, so Sarah writes, and I'm just going to read this as if I am Sarah. Go for it. Because if I try to say Sarah feels or Sarah thinks, I'm going to fuck it up. It's going to be bad. Okay. Sister Generos, she was an advocate for patients to the end. She gave her life to St. Mary's Hospital and had 90 years of stories. She and my dad were great friends for many years and worked on founding the Pavarello Fund. I remember from my childhood, too. Or I remember her from my childhood, too. Sorry. She always gave us pickles when we saw her. Oh, my God. Sister Generos, I love you. Just lots of reasons in her actions to her words. She would have been a great comfort during this COVID thing. So if if you're from, you know, Minnesota like we are, you probably recognize the name Sister Genero. So she was a member of the Franciscan Sisters. Um, and the Franciscan Sisters actually helped create St. Mary's Hospital in town after the Great Tornado. Yep. Um, and so Sister Generos was highly involved with the with the Mayo Clinic and getting she, she stuff was, set up. Like literally, she was a big thing at Mayo Clinic up until the day she died, which was only like four years ago. I was gonna say I would think uh, Jared's grandmother was in the hospital, and I was visiting her with him. And down the hall, there was like this whole big shrine yep. to Sister Generals because she had just passed away. And there was like a visitor's book where you could write something. And actually, the um, the mental treatment facility in town is named the Generos Building after her. Yep. And so I I've spent some time there a couple times. And so I wrote in the book, and I was like. I don't know how much Sister Generos had to do with the Generos building, but like it was there when I really needed it and it helped me stay right. safe and like get my shit together. So regardless, thank you very much. And actually I heard I don't know if this is true. Don't cite me, but I heard a story that I guess she wasn't super like unsupportive is not the not the right word, but like mental health was not her area. Like, she had other things that she prioritized, and so she was a little pissed when they named the building after her. She's like, what the hell? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. But Which I, I hope that. is true. <laughs> right? She's been like, really, guys? No, but yeah, yes. I remember, because even when I started working at Mayo, it was, I, I like, I want to say, like, six months before she died. And yeah, I remember, like, she would just be put, puttering around on, like, she had, like, a little motorized scooter that she'd ride around oh St. Mary's on. Like, but she was always super friendly, like... She was a she was an amazing woman. They see me rolling. Yes. They hate it. <laughs> oh funny. my god. Shout out Sister Generos. That's really sweet. And that's cool that Sarah knew her. Yeah, like, right? I, 
I know she was alive during our lifetime, obviously, but I kind of forget, like, the fact that Sarah knew her as a child is really cool and had that personal relationship. Right. So our next story comes from another podcaster, the wonderful Rachel over at Hashtag History. She sent us in another audio recording, so we'll go ahead and play that for you guys now. Hey guys, this is Rachel from the Hashtag History podcast, and I am super excited to tell you about a woman that had a huge impact on my life. And I didn't choose this particular person because of the relevance of um, you guys having a history podcast and myself having a history podcast. That wasn't on purpose, the reason I chose this person. The reason I chose this person is because she changed the trajectory of my life. Um, Her name is Melvina Jones, and she was my history professor in college. And when I started college, I still was not sure exactly what I wanted to do. I knew I loved history, but I also knew that the best degrees, of course, are like, you know, in business administration or communications or um, something like that. And I wasn't really sure where or what I would do with a history degree. Anyway, I was taking my general ed that first semester. I sat down in Melvina Jones's class and within the first, like, I'd say 20 minutes of her history 101 class, I knew that I was going to end up pursuing a bachelor's degree in history. It was the way that she brought history to life and it just didn't even matter to me anymore what I would end up doing with that degree. I just knew I wanted to spend the next four years of my life studying something that I was super passionate about. So that's my story about a woman that super impacted my life, changed the trajectory of my life. And again, it just happened to have some relevance to all of our history podcast. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much, Rachel. Rachel. That's so sweet. And seriously, if you guys haven't checked out the Hashtag History podcast, definitely do. They cover scandals and tragedy and like the darker side of history. And oh, like wonderful. Their, their first two episodes co- cover the, the Chappaquiddick incident, which like I knew happened. Like I knew the very basic details, but those two episodes will fuck you up. Right. I am not joking. Like you will just rage rage fucking rage but it's so good when we talk about all these women from history that have these like badass names and i'm sorry but melvina jones is a fantastic name that's a name seriously and you know we always hear about like those teachers that make such a strong impact and it's cool to hear one of those stories from like someone we know right and like Obviously, she's had a great impact because Rachel has an amazing history podcast. But something else I really liked is um, how she really brought history to life and made it engaging. Like whether you like or love, like, like or love, there's only two. Yeah, like or hate history. She made it enjoyable. And that's one of hashtag history's things where they're like for history lovers and haters alike. Right. And, and so yeah. just to see those influences coming through. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Rachel. Yes, thank you. That was that was great. That was a wonderful thing for you to share with us. Did you do you have any teachers that really inspired you, Emily? Um, I had uh I had a few teachers that really had a profound impact on me. I had this one college professor and I'm I'm blanking on her name all of a sudden, which is truly shameful. I've had too much wine. But I I had her for a couple of classes throughout my college career, 
And the first one was women in literature. And that was such a tough class because it was basically like every book was rape and murder, rape and murder. But the but my professor, she was so fucking cool. Like she told us the story. She's like, oh, yeah, I got held up at gunpoint one time. Jeez. Like what? No, what? Like, are you kidding me? And um, one of the times she really impacted me, I had her for a creative writing class and I submitted a piece that was about uh, the time I was sexually assaulted. And I'm not going to go into detail, uh, but basically there were three male students in the class whose uh, critique crossed the line from being constructive to personal, which was really unfortunate. I, I, I was living with you at the time. I, I remember yep, telling you I how remember. upset I was like... And I remember thinking, like, am I the asshole? Like, did I screw this up? Is this, like, accurate cr- criticism? And so I went to her during her office hours. I was like, hey, I, I feel really stupid being here. I, I, I just – I want to know if I did this right because I, These I'm getting this – These people are being assholes. Well, I'm getting this criticism, and I don't want to just write it off. Like, no, I'm, the, I'm amazing. I can't do anything wrong. Right. And she's like – First of all, I'm not surprised in the least that this happened. And she wasn't, like, blaming me. She's like, no, no, I know what's up. But uh, she's like, you wrote it in a very honest way that didn't glorify the incident. And, like, it was just a it was a it was a time where I really needed someone to just kind of uh, guide me and validate me, not only in my writing, but a very personal experience. And she's like, honey. I get you. I've been where you are. And like you did just fine. Like she's just really supportive. That's really sweet. Yeah. How about you? Um, I've had like various teachers that have been really good. I, I can't remember her name either, but that's mainly because it's so long ago. But I remember that I took a class in high school that was like about psych and literature. And like, wow. It combined two of my great loves, and ever since then, I was like, man, psych, literature. I mean, I'm never going to get there. Like, I'm doing the psych thing, but the literature thing probably isn't going to happen. But, like, it it kind of opened my eyes to, like, you know, how everyone sees things differently. Like, not that I didn't already know that people saw things differently, but, you know, like, just, you know, when you read something and you dissect it that way especially from like a psych lens like just to know how you know how the author can mean something but how your life experience can make you take something so like so completely differently even though like they wrote it in such a way that you probably shouldn't be able to have so many interpretations yeah (laughs) that is amazing but yeah it it was so long ago that i'm like i don't remember what her name is i i I wasn't prepared to tell that story, and I've had nope. too much wine already. Like, I was pre-gaming a little. I'm a neon cat. Like, I don't know what's going it's on. It's Friday. It's fine. So, uh, our last story uh, is a little longer because we actually, one of our listeners wrote an entire article about it, uh, about a herstory hero and someone in her life who's very important. So, uh, buckle up. It, it's beautifully written. It is. But it is a little long. Uh, so this is from Rebecca Tolkoff. And I'm reading her whole name because it's on the article. It's on a public website. You right. Know. So it's on a website called Train Your Roar, 
which I kind of looked into what it was is because I was like, if we're gonna read something off of this website, I should probably know. But it's I did the same thing. <laughs> um, it's a group of people that are all about like personal safety and like developing your inner power and keeping yourself safe. So it's it's a lot to do with like self defense classes and like safety. And they, so it's about that and they've branched out into like herstory heroes and stuff like that. And it's, it's, it's a really neat thing. Like we're not in an area that they probably offer classes, but you know, if you're, if that's something you're interested in, check out their website. Maybe they can help you find something. Yeah. They have a section where you can find uh training classes in your area. So you just have to go to roartrainingllc.com. All right, so uh, Kelly, since I'm the odd one, I figure I'll start first and we'll just alternate by paragraphs so neither of us have to read by ourselves. That sounds good. So uh, those of you who are uh, longtime listeners are going to... Sorry, I'm like wine burping over here. (laughs) I'm wine burping. I'm so classy. So those of you who are uh, longtime listeners will probably recognize the name Elizabeth Robinson. She's the track star who... uh, was discovered while running to a train and then just went to kill it at the Olympics even after she was in a plane crash. But you know what? If you aren't familiar, you're going to learn about her because this is called Elizabeth Robinson, first female gold medalist in track and field. Weathered wise female faces Elizabeth Robinson by Rebecca Tolkoff. Excuse me. In thinking about the Provincetown art installation, they also face the sea. My attention during... My attention turned to an Instagram page I recently found at Elizabeth Robinson. Uh, The posts were about Elizabeth Robinson, an athlete I had never heard of, but she was clearly a heroine. I started commenting on the post and Googled her name to learn more about her story. Eventually, I messaged the page operator who turned out to be Betty's granddaughter. We wrote back and forth and realized we had a lot to talk about. Even crazier, we learned we lived a few towns apart in Massachusetts. Talk about serendipity. Right? So, Betty's story is unknown to most of us, yet she was the first female Olympic gold medalist in all of track and field. Her athletic talent, her mental strength, and her story of resilience are more than feature film worthy. Brooke... Oh, gosh. Brooke Dorr. I'm really sorry, Brooke. Brooke Dory. I don't know how to pronounce your last name, and I'm really sorry. Dore, Dore, or Dory, or something. Brooke. We're going to go with Brooke. Betty's granddaughter recently began sharing her grandmother's story with the world. I had the honor of meeting Brooke for dinner this summer, where she told me her grandmother's story. Brooke is a school teacher in Massachusetts and was a gymnast as a kid. She is an active, outdoorsy, working mom who fits CrossFit and distance running into her week. Brooke oh is God. the spitting image of her grandmother, Betty. In her, quote unquote, spare time, she works to <laughs> elevate her grandmother's legacy to where it rightfully belongs by speaking to school students, presenting to local girls on the run groups, and posting on her Instagram page, as well as creating a website devoted to her grandmother's history, www.bettyrobinson.org. As I listened to Brooke talk, I could barely finish my fish taco. All these ideas were racing through my mind. What an unbelievable Olympic story. Why have I not heard of this before? That's like us 24-7 on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Why do I keep thinking about my own grandmother, not a runner at all? 
Betty Robinson was discovered a bit like an old Hollywood movie star. The boys track coach slash science teacher noticed her racing to catch the train to her Illinois high school one morning. He asked her to bring her sneakers to school the next day where he clocked her 50 yard dash at 0.4 seconds off the world record at the time. Yep. So like just without any real training, just like, yep. oh, you're point four away from the world record. NBD. She had always been a fast sprinter and enjoyed racing the boys, but the world of running had previously been unavailable to her. She had no female role model, no girls track team at school, or any school nearby. She literally did not know any women who ran competitively. Back then, women were advised not to run as it was not proper or ladylike. It was generally believed that women did not have the physical stamina to run any distance over a few yards, and doctors worried it would interfere with their ability to bear children. Tale as old as time. Oh, like funny. I, th- it's like biking. When I read this, when I read this the first time, I was like, okay, when do they think her uterus is going to fall out? Right. <laughs> that is By the way, the like- next sentence. Oh my god! I totally <laughs> forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> women were told their uterus would fall out if they ran longer than a mile or two. But we can push a kid out no problem. Right. That won't that won't make your uterus fall out. Luckily, her parents supported her passion and the boys track team coach invited her to practice with them. Yay. Yay for like men doing what's right. Right? They're Betty's- out there, guys. Right, they are. Betty soon found a more professional women's training group, the Illinois Women's Athletic Club, a couple hours from her house in downtown Chicago. She trained intensely and with full dedication. Her fourth official 100-meter race was the in the Olympic Stadium in Amsterdam in 1928. It was the first time women had been allowed to compete in track and field events, though men had competed for the competed the same Olympic distance for 32 years. Betty won the Olympic race earning the first gold medal in the women's 100 meter, and she was only 16 years old. Midway through listening to Brooke retell the story, I began to see a couple of coincidences in each of our grandmothers' lives, both in the places they visited and lived and in the resilience in their lives. In 1928, my own grandmother, a German Jew, lived in Braslau, Germany. Clara Mar- Margit Epstein was born a few years before Betty, and in the spring of 1929, Margit, age 22, deliberately moved away from her family in Braslau, Germany, for six months to gain independence and maturity. She re- she rented a flat in Berlin, Germany, where she worked as a seamstress and attended as many theater and concert hall performances as she could afford. She gained independence and returned to Braslau, where she married and started a new life with a slightly older man. Betty's story does not end with her Olympic gold, and my grandmother's story does not end with the growing independence, or with growing independence. Near-death experiences provided a launching pad for extraordinary resilience within both women. As Betty Frieden once remarked, quote, aging is not lost youth, but a new stage of opportunity and strength. So for all you 20-year-olds who think your life is over... Buckle up. (laughs) (laughs) The astonishing section of Betty's life story comes after she almost died a year before the 1932 Olympics in Los Angeles, California. Her coaches saw cross-training as detrimental to performance, so rather than going for a swim on a hot day, 
Betty opted to cool off by hopping us a ride in her cousin's airplane. A few minutes into the flight, the engine stalled and the plane took a nosedive and crashed. The rescuer who found them thought Betty was dead and put her into the trunk of his car because that was a thing. Listen to the episode we did. It's like we go on a like 15 minute tangent about how people used to put dead people in the cars, like in trunks For to money. try and get money. For money. Guys. Anyways. The world's back, a nightmare. Back to the article. Thankfully, the doctor who examined her corpse realized she was still breathing and they quickly took her to the hospital. Betty missed the 1932 Los Angeles Olympic Games and physicians told her she might never walk again and definitely would not run. Back in Breslau during this time, my grum... Sorry, too much wine. My grandmother gave birth to her first son in July of 1932. A few months after his birth and after the Los Angeles Olympic Games, Adolf Hitler was appointed Chancellor of Germany. By default, Hitler became steward of the 1936 Olympic Games. German Jews were banned from courthouses a few months later, making it impossible for my grandfather to continue working as an attorney. Quote, We felt as if a bomb had hit our house or an earthquake taken the ground under our feet, wrote my grandmother in her diary. My grandfather left his wife and son in Breslau to search for a safer place to live within Europe. While he was gone, Margit found she was pregnant and made the painful decision to abort her second child. A few months later, my grandfather sent for his family. They made their new home in Amsterdam, believing they had escaped the power of Hitler and the Nazis. They lived on in... Crap. <laughs> That's how you know when I get to a word I can't pronounce. Albrecht Durstrat, 1.1 miles from the Olympic Stadium where Betty competed in 1928. Wow. Over dinner. What an Brooke- insane time. Sorry. Oh, I right. No, but like, no, what like, a crazy time. I can't even imagine. And she's like, all right, I'm, I'm independent. I got my husband. We're having kids. This is all great. Oh, Nazis. Awesome. And oh, now my husband can't work and we have to get the fuck out of here. And right. I'm pregnant. And oh, my God. And like, I can't just, even imagine such difficult decisions that she had to make. Right. That oh, it like gives me chills, but not the good kind of chills. Like the kind that make you feel nauseous. Yeah, a little bit. Um, yeah. So over dinner, Brooke spoke repeatedly about Betty's strong personality. Brooke said Betty was resilient, brave, and did not let anything get in the way of her goals. After the accident, Betty was motivated by the naysayers. If anything, their skepticism sparked her fervor for training again. It took two years, but Betty learned to walk again and even started to run. Though Betty was never able to crouch down into a, a racer start again due to the metal plates and pins in her hips, she rebuilt what she could. She started running slow, short distances, and quickly built up her stamina and speed. She made a valiant and surprising return to the running, the world running scene. Though her gait now included a limp, she still ran faster than nearly everyone else in the world. She earned a place on the women's Olympic relay team, where she earned her second gold medal in the 1936 Berlin Olympic Games. She embodied the true meaning of the word resilient and awed the world with her strength of mind and character. So you know something I learned recently that blows my mind? What? You know the Olympic torch relay? Where, like, people carry the torch across several countries and distances and pass it off? That was invented at these Olympic Games by the Nazis. Oh. 
it was Nazi propaganda because they were trying to draw parallels between their pure race, ew, and like the pure race of the original Greeks and Romans. I was like, but like, were they all just super white, blonde hair and blue eyed? I don't think so, guys. No. And like, as much as we hate the Nazis, everyone was like, okay, but that torch is fucking cool. And we've just been doing it ever since. Right. Had no idea. We're not going to talk about where it came from. Yeah, there was actually a a protest against the whole torch relay concept where someone made a fake torch and ran ahead of the relay runner and like passed this garbage torch off to the mayor. And like basically everyone was like, oh, quick, okay, cool. We saw the torch and dispersed. And then the relay runner's like, where is everybody? (laughs) Which is like kind of sad, but I get it. Like, Right. Anyway, back to the essay. Attendance at the 1936 Olympics was a contentious issue, though the United States did finally decide to participate. The athletes were instructed to remain polite to the Nazi Germans, and the Nazis were instructed to treat the athletes with equal respect. Unless they were black or Jewish. Betty brushed by Hitler at the Berlin Olympic Stadium and actually met him. I didn't know that. Yeah, I don't no, think we covered crazy. that in the episode. I don't think that was Holy in my shit. notes. <laughs> Holy shit. She even attended a party put on by the Third Reich where Hermann Goring tried to seduce some of the young American track and field Olympians. Ew! I'm sure it was this more was... like, come to Germany, be a German, add your genes to our, you know, like, make our gene pool stronger type thing. I think that was a cover for him being a pervy old man. Sure. Like, he's definitely a perv. This was a stark contrast to the Nazis' treatment of my young, attractive grandmother. In pre-war Amsterdam, my grandparents made a new life. They had a second child in 1942, my father Frank, named after Franklin Roosevelt. And they were friends with Edith and Otto Frank, the parents of the famous Anne. A few months after my dad was born, the Nazis stole all four of them from their home and forced them to live as prisoners in a concentration camp called Bergen-Belsen, just outside of Hanover, Germany. Margot and Anne were later prisoners inside the same section of of the Bergen-Belsen, and my grandmother never spoke much about their time inside the concentration camp. It was too painful for her. Miraculously, my grandmother, grandfather, and their children survived and were liberated on my father's third birthday. Unlike Anne and Margot, my family returned to Amsterdam post-war. My God. And there's a picture here of Rebecca's grandmother, and she is a fucking doll. Right. She looks so happy. Surviving the Holocaust was a real turning point in the life of my grandmother. I would imagine. Soon after liberation in 1947, my grandfather died of liver failure, a complication of the damage to his health incurred in Bergen-Belsen. Margit became a single mother and all of a sudden had to support the family financially as well as deal with the trauma of the war. Oh Oh my God, honey. Yeah. She brought her sons to the United States of America in 1952. Their names now rest on a plaque at Ellis Island, New York. Near the end of her 83 years, she wrote down her story as a long diary entry, speaking directly to her sons. I have a copy of her diary. It sits in the cardboard binder on my desk. She typed it and made photocopies of the pages. Good girl. Always have backups. 
I have read bits of it on my bits of it to my own children, but never shared it with anyone outside of our family. This article includes the first time I've ever quoted her words in the public. My memories of her are very typical of a beloved granddaughter, knowing her only through the eyes of a child. She passed away when I was in eighth grade. Her weathered sweet face lives in my mind. Her thick German accent reverberates in my ear. And now I truly appreciate the foundation she built for me. Both Betty and Margit rose above the ex- uh, uh. Both Betty and Margit rose above expectations and the odds of survival and achieved unique success. One in the Olympic arena and uh, the other in revitalizing a family nearly destroyed by evil. Brooke has many relics from her grandmother, from, from the Olympic medals, which Betty kept in an old Russell Stover chocolate box, and old life yes. clipping magazine, old life magazine clippings, and I have my grandmother's type diary. These his- his- These historic relics feel a bit cramped in our homes and need to be shared with others. Their weathered wise faces were earned by bravery and resilience. It is the mission of women in my generation to lift them up to the proper place in herstory. I love how she does say herstory. I know. I was like, Like, I love you. Okay, so do you ever like read something and you're kind of like, this is kismet. Like, the universe made this happen. Like, right. the fact that that uh, Betty Robinson and then Rebecca's grandmother, Margit, have all these, like, weird intertwining story elements. Right. And were even, like, relatively close to each other in some points in their lives. And then that their granddaughters would stumble upon each other and be close enough to meet and share these stories. I'm like... Dude, there's stuff going on in the world that we just do not understand, and that's right. okay. That I know it's crazy, Rebecca. That's so beautifully written too. And, and like Kelly and I were talking about, and we're like, "Well, this is kind of long. Like, do we read the whole thing? Do we summarize it?" And we're both just kind of like, "We can't not read it, though." Like, right? There's like, nothing it's so well there's... written, and you know, yeah, we've talked about um, Betty Robinson before, but like. If you took that part out of the story, like, it kind of loses some of its impact. Like, because you use that to pull, you know, to pull these parallels. And it's, it is, it's just such an amazing written article. Yeah. So thank you so much for Rebecca, to Rebecca for sending that to us and sharing that with us. And now hopefully Betty's story and Margit's story uh, live on in all of you. So, uh, Kelly, are there any women you would like to shout out before we uh, end the episode? I mean, my mom. mom. Your man. I mean, what's up, Sue? <laughs> right. Um, Is she still mad at me? No, I didn't know she okay. was mad at you. I thought I thought she was mad because I named uh, our last Mother's Day episode "Savvy as Fuck Sue." She wasn't <laughs> mad. She was more just like, "Did you have to do that?" And I was like, "Yes, Mom. Yes, we did." Yeah, Sue, we did. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, my mom, my grandma, my sister, um, both of my sisters. You know, like really, just any. I have so many strong and wonderful women in my life that it's hard to like pick individual ones to give a shout out to but yeah that's a good problem i would would say that yes i agree how about you 
Um, obviously my mom, who I talked about in our last Mother's Day episode where someone was being a dick and so she dumped beer on them and it was amazing. But like my mother is only maybe about an inch taller than me and I'm barely over five foot. So like she's a, she's a little lady and she's told me these stories of when like she's been in a situation where someone much bigger and more intimidating is getting in her face. And she taught me the great lesson of, uh, out politing someone or out nicing someone so like yes. especially in customer service if someone's like and you're just like oh my god i'm so sorry you know what let like how can i help you like as long as you don't freak out back at them you win because they have nothing to react to and she told right? me the you're story of like the rise that they want yeah like my five foot tall mom some six foot tall dude was like getting in her face and was like, I want this. And she's like, oh, well, you know what? Those are the rules. I'm so sorry about that. You know, I can call security and maybe they can help explain it. And the guy backed out. <laughs> this big ass dude was like, man, like stormed out. Um, also, my my grandma, Jean, uh, the story from Cassie about her grandmother living independently for so long after her husband died really reminded me of her. And my grandma, Jean, was such a badass, lived to be 95 years old, was independent the whole time, lived on her own. And I really draw a lot of strength from her. Um, also, my uh, my dad's grandmother, or not my dad's grandmother, my Your paternal mom? grandmother. Yeah. yeah, I um I had kind of a, a complicated relationship with her. I didn't feel as uh, close or loving to her for a really long time, but she kind of taught me that uh she she had a lot of really bad things happen to her in yeah. life that contributed to some of her behaviors and I didn't really realize it until after she died that I had to forgive her. And accept that she was a person who was really doing her best. And I, like, I shouldn't be so hard on her. Right. And that was a really valuable lesson to learn. And then also, real quick shout out to all of my lady friends in my life. Especially you, Kelly. Because yeah. I had something really creepy happen to me this week. Uh, that involved me having to file a police report. Um, I'm Okay. And hopefully that's the end of it. But basically, I was creepy. freaked out. I was feeling very alone. I was feeling very unsafe. And I was able to reach out to the women in my life to be like, hey, can I get some support over here? Because I'm freaking out. And no one told me that it was my fault or like, don't be so hysterical. Everyone was like, whoa are you okay we're here for you do i have to kill someone like that, that last one so was that me. was <laughs> yeah yeah so that that was really great just to to know i have that community of women around me who do support me and who are here for me and who will drop a bitch for me <laughs> <laughs> always so yeah it was uh so that was good and thank you so much to everyone for sharing your stories and here's the thing we're not reserving this for Mother's Day. We do a say their name almost every episode. And so if you have a story that you want to share with us, we will 100% read it on air. And, right, or uh, you can send us a voice it. clip. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Whatever works. And seriously, like, what's a better Mother's Day gift than, like, having your mom or someone important in your life on the podcast because they're immortal? 
Right. Their name will forever be in the annals of history. I mean, and it doesn't have to be a woman either. Like, if there's a oh, guy yeah. out there, like, killing it, let us know that too. We we purposely call it say their name because it's not gender specific. Exactly. It's anyone. Yeah, we, we're not just, we're a history podcast, but we're all about shouting out, you know, the men, the women, either or, neither nor, you know, however you identify. If you're killing it, you're killing it. Right. That was beautiful, by the way. Oh, I, I try. I think it helps because my like neon cat ears move as I tilt my head and it's yeah. very, it's very they, sexy. They like sway with you. It's crazy. I know. Like, guys. The future is now. <laughs> well, I think we've kind of gone over our thankfulness. Uh, please like us on Facebook at Whining About Herstory, Instagram at WAHpod. Twitter at WAH underscore pod. Our website is whiningaboutherstory.com. And our email address where you can send those names that you want to tell us about is whiningaboutherstory at gmail.com. Or slide into our DMs or Facebook messages. You know, really just whatever. wherever. Yeah, we'll we're, we're open. We also have a Patreon. Uh, if you just search whining about herstory, um, you can donate to us for a little as $1 a month to get some extra content. We got some new um, juice box versions of some of our herstory heroes coming out soon. And hopefully some interviews episodes. and stuff, too. Yeah. Non-swearing episodes. Yeah. So you can so you can empower the youngins in your life. Exactly. The little grapes on the vine. <laughs> also oh, please rate funny. us five stars wherever you listen we've gotten some really lovely five-star reviews so thank you to everyone for that and thank you for listening to another episode of whining about herstory i'm emily i'm kelly and have an empowered day bye bye, bye.